Thanks for checking out Discover Church and our podcast this week. We continue our series of how to live through a bad day with Pastor Curtis Jones. We hope if you get the chance to join us one upcoming Sunday at our 10 a.m. worship experience at Sussex Central High School. How about, whoa, (laughs) we go from one extreme to the other, I see. If you could, you can turn me quite a bit down. Apparently, I'm a little louder than the worship team this morning. Well, good morning. It is, uh, it's so good to see you guys here this morning. Uh, I hope uh, that you have enjoyed uh, your weekend, and uh, I hope that uh, you've got to, to spend a little bit of time uh, outdoors, even if you have uh, some water, you know, some pollen allergies, because I know that uh, in my household, the allergies have been on like high alert. Uh, we have been uh, making sure everybody has to take their, uh, their allergy medication before they leave in the morning because if not, you cannot see uh, by the time you get to school or work. And uh, it's, uh, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a mess uh, for sure. But uh, I hope that uh, you're enjoying your weekend, uh, whether you've been out playing uh, baseball or softball at Little League Opening Day, which was happening yesterday in a lot of places, or uh, maybe uh, you were like uh, me and Amy were this weekend, and we just decided to, uh, to kind of take a little bit more low-key approach to the weekend, uh, and it was really nice, and we enjoyed it. But uh, I just want to say welcome. If this is your very first time here at Discover Church, I just want to say thank you so very much for being with us. My name is Curtis Jones. I, along with my wife Amy and our amazing group of Go Team members, help to lead here at Discover Church. Uh, and I want to let you know that we set today up just for you. We are so thankful to see you here today. And uh, if this is your very first time, when you came in, you should have received a worship guide. And inside of that, we have what we call the connection card. And if you've never filled that out or if this is your very first time, we'd love for you to fill that out, and uh, we, we kind of give what we call our no-hassle guarantee, okay? The no-hassle guarantee is, is nobody's going to randomly show up to your house uninvited. Uh, we're not going to uh, send you emails every single day of the week. We're not going to text message you and call you constantly. It's just a way for us to reach out just to say, hey, we're so uh, excited for uh, you to be here with us at Discover Church and for you to be able to reach back out to us if you have questions, anything we we can do to pray with you or stand with you and your family, and we'd, we'd love to have that. Today is the beginning, by the way, the beginning, if you've been in church for a little bit maybe in your life, this is the beginning of what is called Holy Week, because today uh, is marked as Palm Sunday, and today is one of the days, if you read scripture, where Jesus makes his triumphant entry into uh, Jerusalem, and he uh, he's riding on the back of the donkey, and then we know, if you have continued to read on in the story, that things go a little bit uh, a little bit worse for him towards the end of that. But as the beginning of Holy Week here, I just want to say uh, it's going to be a really great opportunity here today as we're wrapping up our our very final uh, message here on how to live through a bad day. And how to live through a bad day, one of the things we've been doing through this entire series is we've been taking uh, some of the moments of Jesus while he was on the cross and just before while he was on the cross, and we're taking, some of them were kind of short statements that that he made and that he said, But we're taking a look at these statements and we're seeing how do they really relate to us. And and we're really taking an example from Jesus that even while in his last moments, in his last hours, in fact, that he was up on the cross and just before, 
that he was teaching us something along the way. And he was teaching us, uh, just exactly as this series is titled, How to Live Through a Bad Day. And we're going to get ready to wrap that up today. I want to invite you back next week because next weekend, next Sunday, actually we actually have uh, an exciting time on Friday. We have a Good Friday service. The Good Friday service will not be here at Sussex Central High School. Good Friday service is going to be at uh, Life Church, which is in Shortley Road in Georgetown. Uh, we are, are the, the, our good friends over at Life Church has allowed us to come just like they did at Christmas time and use their facility for a Good Friday service at 7. Uh, so you can bring that out. We're going to have a, a wonderful family uh, atmosphere, a time where we come together and we worship for Good Friday. And then we gather on Sunday to celebrate a resurrected King. And on Sunday as we celebrate Easter, I just want to invite you uh, to come back and to have any family or friends that come back. Listen, uh, there, Easter Sunday is one of the really great opportunities that we have as people who love God and love Christ and we serve Jesus to invite people because there actually is some some amazing statistics out about this that people are more than 70% more than likely to say yes to an invitation to Easter than they are at almost any single other time in the year. That's a really good, that's really good in your favor for people. If you've got some people that you've really been kind of praying about and kind of trying to figure out how to work up the strength and the courage to invite to come, but uh, we, we have some invites for you. You should have had them in your worship guides today that we would really love to encourage you to find that one family member maybe or a friend or maybe it's a, a re- relative or a neighbor that you want to say, hey, you know what, come, come hang out with me this Sunday for Easter. And in order to help celebrate that, we are going to have some fun next week for Easter as Resurrection Day. We celebrate that because we are going to have the photo booth is going to be set up in the lobby before service. So make sure you come and you can have some good, great family photos. Uh, we'll have the props because everybody knows that if you get in the family photo, somebody has to wear the giant sombrero hat, right? I was going to say, that's like a thing. We know it's okay. Uh, just because it's Easter doesn't mean we have to put away the sombrero hat, okay? But uh, we have the photo booth happening before, and we also are going to be having uh, the Easter egg hunt for all of our DC kids that's going to happen after the service. So it's going to be a really great time. I hope and uh, would love to see you back for that. But we're going to dive in today into the last message of how to live through a bad day. And, and as like I said, we've been looking through some st- Statements. So we've had seven weeks of this where we've looked at statements that Jesus has made and said, things that we can learn from, and, and our scripture that we've kind of been using as kind of like uh, our theme verse for this series is uh, out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, starting in verse 2, and we, it says this, it says, keep your eyes on Jesus, right, that's a good idea, right, who, is the, who both began and finished the race that we're in, and, and the race that we're in, listen, it's easy for us to think that the race that we're in, the one that Jesus was in, is just a physical one, but it's not, there's more than just the physical nature of this, okay, and it, what does it say, it says we are to study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, it, that exhilarating finish in and with God, It says he could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. And in fact, I want to kind of let you know that his place of honor right alongside God is he is working on your behalf. So as you pray and you intercede in the things that you're passionate and you care about, guess what? Jesus is right along there, uh, kind of as your your cheerleader and encourager saying, yes, that's right, come on, press into the things that God wants you to press into. That's, That's what he's doing there. And if you're 
going to follow along and take notes with us. And by the way, it's been a couple weeks since I did this. I want to give a plug. If you don't have a Bible... Uh, if, as to follow along with us on Sundays and to read throughout the week, please make sure that you don't leave today without picking one up. We have some out uh, in the lobby as you leave. We have some for you. If you're kids, if you have uh, students here today, then guess what? We have Bibles for them too that are age appropriate for them to help them understand the Word of God because we think that that is critical. I also want to really encourage you as we get ready to jump into the Word of God, if you haven't, uh, maybe you you kind of, you know, one of those things where you forget to carry your Bible with you sometimes times or you might misplace it. Well, guess what? I guarantee you, you didn't misplace your cell phone, okay? Or if you do, life goes on critical high alert, doesn't it? If your cell phone goes missing, the whole world better shut down right now until we find it and because we know that we need it. Well, guess what? You can download the YouVersion Bible app on your phone where you can have translations of scripture and you can have daily devotions sent to your phone automatically and that way you can make sure you get plugged into the Word of God. I would really, really highly encourage you if you have not downloaded that to make sure you take the opportunity to do that. But today for the portion of scripture we're reading from uh, from Jesus' story, it's going to be from the, uh, the, the book of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 23. Luke, of course, is one of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that you're going to see in the beginning of the New Testament. And in Luke chapter 23, we're going to start in verse, 40, uh, verse 44, and we're going to read from there. And this is how it starts out. It says, it was now about the sixth hour. Okay, and if you don't know uh, what the sixth hour would equate to, basically this is around noontime, okay, that we're going to see that just is taking place. And it says, and a darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, which would be about 3 p.m. So we have three hours when it gets dark. And it says, for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. The curtain of the temple, by the way, if you were uh, Jewish at this time, if you were to go to the temple just to give you a sense of what's happening, if you don't understand, the temple was a place where you would come to make a sacrifice before God, but because of the fact that God is a holy God, and we are not as a, as a people, right, because we have, we have sin in our life, it, what would happen here is when the sacrifice would be made, that, that there was a curtain, there was literally a veil that stood between what was called the Holy of Holies and the place in which people could come and enter into. They weren't allowed to go into there. The priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year, and he did so very reluctantly, in fact, with a rope and a bell tied around his leg so that just in case that he was not 100% squared away with God, in fact, that he had sin and he fell dead in front of the presence of God, they could pull him back out. So there was this separation, right? The separation between God and between man. There was a separation that this veil represented between who the holy God was and who the men, the people that were trying to serve him were. And what happens here is it says that the temple veil was torn in two. What this represents here is this represents that, guess what, the separation between God and between man ended at this point in time. In fact, we find here that the separation that happened was because of what Jesus said and what happened to Jesus at this time. And it says in, uh, in, in Luke here, it says that Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then when he had said this, he breathed his last one of the things that I think it's, it's really important for us 
to understand because sometimes we can just read through the things that Jesus said and what he did while he was on, this, on, the, on the cross and we can think maybe that, uh, the, the, you know, that they had some kind of loose point but that we, we really find a difficulty connecting our life to what he said and what he did. But we find that his very last phrase, the things that he said the last before he drew his last breath while he was on the cross was what he surrendered himself over to God. He surrendered himself. He said, Father, I, I commit my spirit to you. So today we're going to be talking about surrendering your day to God and, and, and letting it go. And this is one of those things that I, I'm going to be totally, totally upfront and honest with you. That this is one of those things that, that this is probably going to be a daily struggle for many people. This is one of those things what we sometimes we have to daily turn things over to God because what we have here, we, we see that Jesus makes this statement and it's a statement of trust that he fully, totally surrenders, he trusts everything into God. But how many of you are like me is sometimes I don't want somebody else to do something for me, I want to get it done myself. Because if I do it myself, it's going to be the way, it's going to get done the way I want it to be done. Right? You ever had that happen? I was going to say, I, I recently I recently turned over, uh, within the past few years, uh, we started turning over uh, you know, some chores and some things around the house to my kids. Uh, one of the things that I, I've, I've turned over to my son was cutting the grass. Okay, Now this is going to sound like a really stupid thing to you, but I'm really kind of particular about how I want the grass cut. I don't know, I, I don't want it cut so that it still feels like a jungle when you walk through it, like some yards, you still like sink all the way up past your ankles after the grass has been cut. It's clearly not been cut, okay? You like, I don't know what you did, you trimmed the top, but it's still there. And I, I don't want it scalped either, like I don't want to have like dirt dust piles out there, okay? I, I want that happy medium where it looks nice. And the other thing that I like, I like lines. Yeah, I don't know if you cut your grass, maybe men, if you, if the, you want lines in your grass. You don't know why you want lines and they have to be straight, but you just, it's instinctive, it's instilled in us that they have to be straight lines. And then once you get those lines, but what do we do? Then we start working it up so that they zigzag, right? Yeah, we have zigzag lines. You have lines going in different ways, okay? So, so we have things like this in our life where we want things done a certain way. We want things done in a particular fashion. But, but when, when we're allowing ourselves to say, God, you know what? I'm committing today. I'm committing this thing over to you. You're saying, God, listen, I'm turning some stuff over to you, and we're going to do things the way you want to get done, not the way that I want to get done. Because what happens when we, when we hold on to as much as we can, what we set ourselves up into is what we call the worry trap. I don't know if you've ever, you've ever been involved in the worry trap before, but the worry trap is one of those things where you hold on to too much because you're worrying about how everything's going to turn out. And then the next thing you know is you've got your hands so full of everything that you can't control anything at all. You're not being, you're not being fundamental in, in, in anything at all. And we find that Jesus actually, what he says here is actually a reference like Jesus does so many times in Scripture. He actually is referencing another portion of scripture when he says this at the end of his life he's referencing psalm 31 verses 4 and 5 and, and i want to let you know and you're going to see here how there's the worry trap starts to come in into play here it says free me from the trap that has been set for me 
for you are my refuge. See, there's a, there's a trap that's set for us. It, it's, it's set for you every single day. It's set for you every single time you get up and every time you go to sleep. There's always a trap set for you. And the trap that is set for you is to see who is going to control things in your life for the day, for that moment, for, for the time frame. Because it goes on, for you are my refuge. And it says, into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. See, we find that if we don't turn stuff over to God, then that's a trap. And, and the more that we hold on to, guess what? That is also a trap. It, it kind of reminds me of a, of a story I heard where a man goes to the doctor and was worried about his health. And, and the doctor checks him out and he says, listen, don't worry. Everything is going to be okay. You're going to make it to at least 60. At least 60. And then the man looks at the doctor and he says, well, I'm already 60. The doctor says, of course, look, I knew I was going to be right. You made it. There's only so many things that you can worry about or there's so many things that you control. Now, some of you uh, have more worries than others. We, we all do. Uh, one of the things that Amy, uh, my wife, she used to worry about. She's not in here to, to, to defend herself 100%, but uh, we're going to talk about this. It's okay. Uh, she'll, she'll fully admit to this. Uh, one of the things that Amy used to worry about is she used to really struggle uh, with driving over bridges. It used to be a thing, uh, she, she no lie, she no lie, she, would, she had such a fear of driving over bridges, which by the way, when you live on a peninsula and you literally have to drive over a bridge pretty much to get anywhere is probably not good, okay? It's like having a fear of water living on an island, okay? So, uh, so she has the, the fear of, of bridges, and one of the things that she used to literally have to do was she just about would crawl into the floorboard and cover her head until we crossed the Chesapeake Bay Bridge, and, and then you'd have to tell her, okay, you can come back out now. She'd be like, Ooh, I mean, that's amazing. We made it. You know, how, how did we do it? She had this constant worry about bridges. Thankfully, I'm excited to report to you that, uh, that God has done a, a tremendous work in her life and she can drive over bridges by herself now and she can do it with her eyes wide open. So it's exciting. So it's, uh, it's really good. So we've worked on that. But some of you, you, you we have things uh, to worry about, and, and, and we recognize that. And in fact, I found a, a really awesome letter that I wanted to read to you uh, uh, that kind of illustrates this point. And uh, the uh, father came home one day, and he found a letter from his son that, uh, that started like this. It says, Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I am writing with you. Uh, that I'm writing to you. He says, I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with mom and you. Stacy, she is so nice and we're finding a real passion. He says, however, I knew that you would not approve of her because of her piercings, tattoos, and the tight motorcycle clothes. Also, she's much older than me, but that, uh, but it's not only the passion, dad, she's pregnant. Stacy said that we will be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods and she has a stack of firewood for the whole winter. It says, we share a dream of having many more children. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. And it says, and we'll be growing it ourselves and trading it with other people in the, that we commune with. It says, for all the cocaine and ecstasy that we want. She says, in the meantime, we pray that uh, science will find a cure for AIDS so that Stacy can get better because she sure deserves it. He says, don't worry, Dad, I'm only 15, and I know that I can take care of myself. Someday, I'm sure we'll be back to visit so you can see and get to know your grandchildren. Love, Joshua. Then he concludes with, P.S., Dad, none of the above is true. I'm at Jason's house. I wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the school report card that's on the kitchen table. 
Call me when it's safe to come home. It's one of those things, right? We worry about all the worst things, don't we? We worry in and out about all the worst things in life. And it's one of those things when it comes and it, can, it really can consume us. But Jesus gave a pretty famous message. In fact, it's probably his most famous sermon, his message that he ever preached, which was the Sermon on the Mount. And you can read the whole thing if you get the opportunity in Matthew's uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7. But in this sermon, uh, this f- famous sermon, we have the topic of worry actually comes up. And you've maybe heard this scripture before, but I, I want to kind of show it to you maybe in a, hopefully a little bit of a new light today. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 24, it says this. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. And you say, yeah, I, I've kind of rem- rem- been reminded of this. But just to give you an idea of what two masters is, because we can kind of paint in, we fill in the blanks sometimes when we read scripture about our own interpretation and how we think of things. But So I want to let you know the Greek word for worry actually means to have a divided mind. So to serve two masters is like you, you can't have a divided mind for this. And, and it continues on, he says, for you will hate one and love the other. It says you will be devoted to one and despise the other because you cannot serve both God and money. Now, here is where most people kind of like allow the money insert and greed, right, and corruption, right, to, to kind of come in and kind of take over. But I, I want to let you know that today when, you, when we read this, I, I want you to kind of take out the fact of, of the money, and I remember we're talking about worry, and it's going to high, we're going to highlight it because it's in the scripture here. It says, when, when, when we talk about our, we can't serve God and money, we serve between those two things. You know, one of the things we recognize is we, are we going to allow God to take care of it? Or when it talks about money, what it's really asking is, are you going to take care of it? Am I going to take care of it? Because what does money do? Money buys us in our mind whatever we need, right? It solves our problem. If it didn't solve our problems, people wouldn't play the lottery, but they still do, right? Because we think that money solves the problem because money is the equivalent of that means I can do it. I can take care of it. I got it. And so what what this is, is this is basically saying, is is God going to take care of it or are you going to worry about you taking care of it? And he continues on and he says, this is why I tell you not to worry. There it is. Not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Because isn't life more than food? See, we worry about small stuff, right? Now, now we we had a, a, a food drive that we did today as you came in. I know many of you were carrying your blue bags in, and thank you guys so much for all of that. Because, listen, guess what? We're called to, to minister to people in that way. As Christians, we're called to love on people in that way. But for us, if we're going to serve Christ, if we're going to serve God, you know, isn't, isn't life more than just food? It says, and your body more than just clothing? It says, look at the birds. They don't plant a harvest. They don't store up in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. It says, and aren't you more valuable to him than they are? It says, can all of your worries, can all the worries, can all the things that you're trying and wanting and spinning and and toiling and all the things that you're trying to do, can all the worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at all the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work to make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. 
It says, and if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly carry, he will certainly care for you. Then he asks a question here. He says, why do you have such little faith? I want to let you know that I am, I'm, I'm fully guilty of this. I, I was going to say we could probably, we would all have to admit, right, that we've been guilty about this at one point in time or another. That, that, that yes, you know what, I, I'm so guilty of the fact that, that I let worry come into my life. And, and I want to let you know that when I say that, like, I'm the chill one, but Amy, she, she worries a little bit more about than I do about certain stuff, but, but even with that, me being the chill one, the one that's supposed to be like, oh, it's okay, we got it, it's all good, you know, I, I still worry, like, it's just, it's natural to do, it's just something that, that creeps up when we start thinking about how are we going to pay for the bill, or what are we going to do when one of our family members gets sick, or, or what are we going to do, how are we going to take care of all this stuff? But the point to that is, is we're asking kind of the wrong question is, how am I going to take care of this stuff? Not how is he going to take care of this stuff? We allow that worry to set in. I found a a study that said that uh, Delaware, which uh, this isn't as bad, right? Delaware is ranked 20th as the most stressful state of the union, okay? So congratulations, Delaware. We're not number one, okay? All right, we're first in a lot of other things. We're not first in the most stressful state. But based on the study, they broke it down into a couple different categories, and maybe you find yourself in one of these categories. And if you are, obviously you're not alone. That's why this study came out. In health, uh, we're the 32nd most stressful state. Uh, When it comes to money, we're the 29th. Uh, when it comes to our families, we rank at 20 as far as we're, we're, we're stressed about our family, our family life. We're the 20th most stressed state. And when, when it comes to our work and, and our work life, we're actually the seventh, the seventh most stressful state in the union. So when I say that, then you know what that probably means? That probably means that if we rank that high in some of those categories, then there's probably some people here today that you say, yeah, I, I struggle with stress at work. I, I do, you know, I struggle with, with finances, with being stressed and letting God take control of that. I, I, you know what, my family stuff, I, I just, I can't do it. I can't take it, you know. For, for some of you, maybe it's your health. You know, you say, listen, or, or the health of people around you, you say, man, I'm just, it's, it's stressed. I, I'm worried. I don't know how we're going to do it, how we're going to make it happen. This is so important that we, we take into this scripture, we take in these scriptures and look into them. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this, it says, don't worry about anything. Boy, if it was only that easy, right? But instead, what are we to do? We're to pray. What happens when we pray? When we pray, we're, we're, we're letting go. We're turning some stuff over to God. We're, we're allowing God to experience, uh, to, to, to express to him all the things that we're worried and stressed about. It says to tell him uh, to pray about everything. It says tell God your needs, and if you do this, you will experience a peace which is far more wonderful than any human mind can understand. And in getting ready to close, uh, as we're wrapping up today, I want to give you three points if you're taking notes. I've got three points for you today that uh, are going to hopefully help us uh, to collectively and individually as family members and as the body of Christ maybe learn to let go of a few things and kind of stay out of the worry trap, okay? And the first one is this, and, and this one, again, seems really easy when you jot it down, but it's more complicated, is get to know God. Get to know God. But 
and if you know God, is to get to know him better. I want to let you know that, that there is never a point in time, whether you've been serving God for a day, a week, a month, a year, five years, 50 years, 99 years, there is never a point in time in which you've achieved the level of satisfaction that you don't have to worry about knowing God any deeper or that you don't have to worry about trying to pursue him anymore or trying to understand who he is. I really truly think that this is one of the things that we have to strive to. My grandfather uh, was a, a pastor. He was a minister for over 60 years of his life. He was simple, simply the, the most humble man I've ever seen uh, that I've ever known up close in person. He was one of those people, he had this uh, amazing humility and spirit about him. He, he was a sweet, gentle person, uh, but he had no problem uh, kind of telling it like it was when he needed to. And one of the things that I, I loved about him, he lived to be uh, 90, I think it was 93. And, and, and listen, as, as he got older, as he retired from ministry and as him and my grandmother, as they, they spent more time at home and, and not going out, I want to let you know that never once, never once did he just like sit back and act like his job was done. Never once. He was constantly engaged in the word of God, and in worship, and in praise, and it's one of those ones where it was such an amazing thing for me to be able to see uh, this man who I admired so much continually try, and continually aim to know God more, and, and listen, maybe you didn't have that, maybe your family, your family experience is not that, but listen, I want to let you know that you can be the one in your family to break that ground, to, to, to blaze a new trail, to set forth to say, listen, we're not going to allow ourselves to be caught up in this stuff because, you know what, we're going to make sure that we know God and that we know him better. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 31 says this. It says, so, so do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? It says, for the pagans, it's p- pagans are basically people who don't know God. For the pagans, run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. And it continues on in the message. It says this, it says, in verse 32, it says, people who don't know God and the way that he works worry over these things. See, when, when we don't really know God and we don't understand him, that's going to cause us to want to worry and to, and to contemplate on, on all the things that we can't control but in fact, it says here in Scripture that guess what? we got to turn that over to him because he is such a good father that he'll, he, he just says, I got it. I'll take care of it. That's why one of the things that we say at Discover Church here is that we want you to know God. We have three, we have three kind of like core things that we really, struggle, that we really aim for every single week. Uh, the very first one is that each and every one of us, including myself and you sitting in the seat today, that you know God and that you know him more. That's our first one. And our, our second one is that you can find a place to belong. And that's why we have community groups, and that's why we have small groups that we meet, and that's why we have wonderful times where we get to come together and learn about each other's stories and learn all the things that, that we can do together and where we can come together and we can rally and we can support uh, the students in our schools with food and food banks, right? And the third one, which is part of that as well, is when we come together as a community after we know God and we realize what his plan and purpose is for our life, that guess what? The third one is we're going to make a change. We're going to make a difference in in our community. We're going to make a difference where we live, and we're going to make a difference around the world so that we know God, we can find community and a place to belong, and we can 
make this world a better place and we can make it more like what God would call it to be. The second one is this, is to put God first in every area of our life, in every area of our life. And, and, and I want to let you know that this is, this is one of those ones where you might have moments in time where you get everything situated and settled. You might have a time, and if you were to write like the top the top five or the top ten things that you know you're most concerned about, and there's going to probably, if you work on it, there's going to be a time where those things are, guess what, you'll truly be able to allow God uh, to, uh, to allow God to be first in all those areas where you're not worried about the things that you're, that you're trying to do, your agenda, what you want to do, you, you, you will. But here's the thing that has to happen is, is sometimes we get our list and we get them set and then we think, okay, God, I got it. Yeah, you, you got it, God. Let's go. Like, we're good, right? And then time goes on and we don't think about it anymore. We don't work on it anymore. And then the next thing we know the order and the priority of all those things, the things that we thought were the most important of our life, they get kind of out of whack. A word I love to use is cattywampus. You need to use that this week. Okay, that's free. I don't know how to spell it. I can't write it, so if you just got to spell it out for yourself, but use that word cattywampus this week. Somebody will give you a funny look for it, okay? But we allow, though, the things that we're worried about and we're focused about in life, we allow it to get cattywampus. We allow it to get, to get out of order, Right? One time it was in order, but then sometimes something happened and we kind of gave up on certain things and stuff gets out of out of place. It gets switched around. And when it gets switched around, then we can find ourselves in trouble. It, it says in Matthew 6:33, continuing on there, it says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then what all these things will be given to you as well. I heard one time uh, a pastor, actually, uh, this was something that happened recently. Uh, I, on Facebook, there's a, a handful of groups that I'm connected with of other pastors that have uh, launched and planted churches recently. And uh, one of the pastors uh, was kind of venting one day, which, you know, we do every once in a blue moon. And, and, and he was venting, and as he was venting, he says, I just don't understand why it is when, when our life becomes... Uh, when the life of people in our church become uh, kind of out of order, it becomes cattywampus. The things that were important become kind of switched around. When that happens, why one of the first thing people do is they pull out of church. They pull out of serving. They pull out of, out, out of being involved in it because they think that because of stuff has come out of order that that's going to be the one thing that's going to give them more time to find order. When in fact it is that when we serve and we put God first, when we allow God to experience uh, the community together, it's the exact opposite. The more that we find that community and union, then we find the fact that he's with us all the time. The third point is this. The third point in this is closing. Is to live one day at a time. Matthew 6.34, it says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow because why? Because tomorrow can worry about itself. It says each day has enough troubles of its own. Each day has enough troubles for its own. And, and maybe it's for you today. Maybe, you know, you had this week. This week has been a stressful week for you. Maybe, maybe for you it, it's been this month or this whole year, you know. Maybe this morning you just woke up and, and your kids were just, you know, like the worst. Don't you hate that when your kids are like the worst? It happens. It happens to us all. It happens, and it's easy to allow the worry and the anxiety and all the other things that come with that to, to creep up and to stress in our life about all the things that you can't control, 
all the things that I can't control, but all the things that only, when it comes down to it, are what, what he can turn over, what we can turn over to him and that he can control. Would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close? Pastor Jack Hayford said this. It says, to live through a bad day, indeed to conclude it, is to place it into the hands of God and leave it there. I hope, whether this is your very first time catching part of this series or maybe you've, you've made every single one, I, I hope that this has blessed you as we've kind of taken the opportunity to see exactly that Jesus, every step of the way on the cross, every single step of the way that he was leading and teaching and he was encouraging us even when he was experiencing pain and agony even when what he was going through was was a nightmare even through all of that guess what he still at the same time was teaching and encouraging he still was the one pointing us into the direction i want to ask if we could could the prayer team come up this morning i'm going to come and we're going to get ready to uh to close with a song but as we, as we do this today, I, I just want to let you know, I've shared with you the three points here today that Discover Church, that, that our goal every week, for you to, to know God, for, for us to find community, and for us to make a change. But listen, that can't happen if you decide to make yourself an island. See, if you make yourself an island, then nobody, nobody really can reach you. But in order for us to be actually able to, to do the second and third is you got to be willing to open up. And so today I want to encourage you, I, I want to ask you if this is something maybe you struggle with, if this is something that you have, uh, have some issues with, I want to let you know, first off, you are not alone by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, listen, we're, we're not ranked as high as we are in stress in the country for this, for, as a state if you would be the only person in this room that struggles with worry and, and stress and anxiety, okay? The second part to that is this, is that you're not alone, but, but guess what? We want to be there with you. We want to cheer you on. We want to encourage you so that if you want, uh, if you would, I, I would ask you, would you come to the front, and, and I know this might seem strange, it might seem weird, uh, we don't, we don't uh, typically, uh, you know, try to do this all the time as far as like to make you feel super uncomfortable as you come this morning, but I just got a sense that there are some people here that you, you're carrying some worry and some baggage, you're, you're trying to hold on to everything in your life and realizing that you can't do it no more, your hands and your arms are getting tired, you're getting worn down, and listen, if that's you today, I want to let you know you, you're not alone. You are not alone. So as we get ready to pray and the worship team sings, I just want to invite you up to the front so that we can pray with you, we can stand with you, and we can believe with you on these things. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just want to thank you so very much, Father God, for the move of your spirit, Father God, for, the, for your words that you said while you were on the cross, Father God. Lord, we just want to thank you so very much today, Lord God, that, that you helped us to understand in your last moments, in your last breath, Father God, that we can turn it all over to you, Father God, as you said on the Sermon on the Mount, Father God, that we don't need to try to control and serve two masters. We don't have to worry about serving ourselves and serving money and serving stress and anxiety, Father God, and serving you, that we can turn it all over to you. 
for you're a loving Father, that you care for us, Father God, that you want so badly for your children to come and lay everything at your feet. Father, we just want to thank you. We give you the praise. Lord God, we ask that you be with us today. Yes, Father God. I just want to encourage you, the front is open. If you'd like to have any prayer, if you would, and would you continue to worship with us?